1 Timothy 4, verse 6. He said, if you lay all these instructions before the brethren, you'll be a worthy steward and a good minister of Christ Jesus, ever nourishing your own self on the truths of the faith and of the good Christian instruction which you've closely followed. But refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane, impure, godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales, and silly myths. What is he called? Mythology? Silly. <laughs> I said, what is he called? Mythology? Silly. How come folks spend so much time studying it then? Silly, silly I reckon. <laughs> and express... Your disapproval of them. Well, how could you express your disapproval of mythology? You could say, it's silly. It's a biblical response. What do you think about mythology? It's silly. Oh, that's one of the arts. It's silly. It's silly. And train yourself toward godliness, piety, Keeping yourself spiritually fit. Wonder how many folk are out of shape spiritually. And how many folk are fit spiritually. It's my guesstimate that it's about the same proportion of folk that are fit physically. Which wouldn't be the majority. Now, I did not say that if a person's fit physically, that indicates that they're fit spiritually. I did not say that. I did not say if a person's out of shape physically, that that necessarily means that they're not fit spiritually. There are different things there to be considered. A lot of variables there. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I didn't say. Verse 8, For physical training is of some value, Useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way, for it holds promise for the present life and also for the life which is to come. This saying is reliable and worthy of complete acceptance by everybody. Now, he talked about being spiritually fit, didn't he? And developing in godliness. And he mentioned two major things here. He mentioned nourishment and he mentioned exercise. Well, those are two of the greatest keys in getting yourself in good shape physically, aren't they? Your diet and your exercise. You need to eat, but you need to eat the right things. And you need to eat them at the right times and ways. And you need to exercise, but you need to do it in the right way. And if you'll do these things consistently, you'll develop. You'll lose the fat, build the muscle, get lean, get strong. Is that right? Physically. Well, spiritually the same thing is true. If you have the right diet, you eat the right thing and enough of it on a regular basis, and you exercise correctly, you'll develop and become stronger spiritually. Spiritually. Two major keys to developing your spirit, same ones to developing a body, human body, physical body, are nourishment 
and exercise. Let's talk about the nourishment side of it just a bit. We're talking about what you eat and what you eat spiritually. Did you know that you can eat spiritually just like you can eat physically? Did you know that? A lot of people didn't. Of course, a lot of people don't even know they're a spirit. If you didn't know you had a dog, you wouldn't know to feed the dog. Is that right? Somebody said, have you fed your dog? And you said, what dog? Well, you're a dog. Well, you didn't know you had a dog. But you go back in the backyard and there he is. Starving. Because you ain't fed him. Why haven't you fed him? You didn't know you had a dog. Well, if you don't know that you're a spirit, you might say, well, it'd be ridiculous for somebody to have a dog and didn't know they had a dog. It's even more ridiculous for somebody to be a spirit and not know they are one. Amen. You are one. That's what you are. Not something you have. It's what you are. Not even know what you are. But so many human beings, they're completely in the dark about it. They, they don't know what they are. But you are a spirit. Have you fed your spirit today? There's people, they'll feed their dog, their cat, their bird, their geraniums, their goldfish, definitely feed their body, feed their kids, feed the neighbor's kids, <laughs> feed the hungry, feed the poor, but they don't feed their spirit, so the spirit starving. You must feed your spirit if your spirit's going to be strong. But here's some scriptures. You can jot these down if you want to. You don't have to turn to all of them. But Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, Matthew 4, 4, He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As 1 Peter 2, 2, 1 Peter 2.2 2 said, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The milk of the word cause you to grow. In Jeremiah 15.16 Jeremiah 15.16 The prophet said, Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Job 23.12 Job 23.12 He said, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I think you can see clearly here that there is nourishment for the inner man. And this nourishment is the Word of God. The Word of God. Oh, hallelujah. The Word of God is to your spirit what bread and beans and meat and potatoes is to your flesh. If you're real hungry physically, is it good to get a good meal? Of course, a lot of people, it's been decades since they've been hungry. They're not going to let that happen. 
<laughs> but uh, do you remember the last time you were real hungry? I see a lot of blank looks around. <laughs> a lot of folk don't know what. Uh, being hungry is not wanting something to eat. <laughs> no. Wanting something to eat, you can eat five minutes ago and want something to eat. Does that mean you're hungry? No. No. See, a lot of those people need to define terminology. You, that does not mean you're hungry. That is my, when your eyes are talking to you and your nose is talking to you, I want that. You smell that. That smells good. That's, that's not, that's not, you're not hungry. But your stomach can talk to you. I mean, you not eat for a while. It'll growl. Growl, growl, growl. I mean, you have yearnings from the inside. For groceries. <laughs> and um, your spirit's that way. Just like your body has an appetite and can be hungry, your spirit has an appetite and can be hungry. And just like in the natural, hunger is a sign of a certain amount of health. People get to where they're not hungry anymore, don't want to eat. That's not a good sign, is it? Spiritually speaking, it's the same way. When you're doing good spiritually, you have a real appetite for the Word of God. You're hungry for the things of God. Hungry for the Word of God. You like it. When you get to where, well, you know, you don't want, you don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to hear good teaching and preaching. It's just, you know, that's a sign of a poor spiritual condition. God's words feed your spirit just like natural food feeds your body. Turn with me to Acts 20. Acts 20. And verse 32. Acts 20 verse 32. He said, Now brethren, I commend you to God. Or you could also translate that commit. I commit you to God. And to the word of His grace, which is able... To build you up. And to give you an inheritance. Among all them which are sanctified. What is able to build you up and give you an inheritance? The word of his grace. The word of his grace. You know there are two phrases that we've seen here. This one the word of his grace. And in 1 Timothy it said nourished up in the words of faith. And of good doctrine. Did you know that you can be fed the word. And yet not be fed it in faith. You can be fed the word or feed yourself the word. And yet not feed it to yourself in grace. And that's not going to nourish your spirit. Unless it's done so. In faith and grace. Because everything is to us. By the grace of God and through our faith. Right? And the whole Bible is to be interpreted in the light of grace and faith. Everything. And when he says nourished up in the words of faith, it's only words of faith and words of grace that's going to minister to your spirit and build you up. That doesn't mean that every sermon has to be a sermon on faith. 
or a sermon on the subject of faith or a sermon on the subject of grace. That's not what I'm saying. But no matter what's being taught or what's being preached or what you're reading about or what you're studying about, you need to be taking it in the spirit of faith and in the spirit of grace. Elsewise, it's not going to nourish you. It's not going to feed you. Did you know people can take Bible verses and minister condemnation with them? And death. It's the Word. They're quoting the Word, but is that nourishing people and building them up? No. Why? Because it's not the words of faith. And it's not the words of grace. Now there's a lot more revelation right there than you might think for. That's how people can be in church for three decades and never grow. And yet hear Bible portions taught and elaborated upon repeatedly throughout the week. Somebody said, well, that's not possible, is it, Brother Keith? Oh, it's, not only is it possible, it's happening on a world scale. That people are hearing the Word and yet not being nourished by it. Why? Because of the way they're hearing it. They're not hearing it from the standpoint of faith. Nor are they hearing it from the standpoint of grace. I grew up in church. My grandma saw that my little brother and I were in the Pentecostal church every time we had service. <laughs> and then later on, I was uh, not only in the Pentecostal church, but I was in the Baptist church. And was exposed to, to that theology. But you know, even though I had been born again for some years by the time I was a young adult, particularly in my, in my late teens, I'd been saved for several years. But I had not grown at all since I was born again. You understand, spiritual growth is not automatic. Just because you've been saved a long time does not mean you have grown and developed. You can have, it's possible that a person had been saved for 25 years and they're still not really any more mature now than they were when they were first born again. That's a sad reality. Because you don't grow just by reason of time. Hmm? Do you? Now, if you have any questions about that at all, go with me to Hebrews. And I'll prove it to you from the Word here. Hebrews chapter 5. And notice, Paul is teaching them some things. And he's talking about Melchizedek and uh, him being priest and his office and also talking about Jesus. And he said, verse 11, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Let's just stop right there. Notice that phrase, when for the time you ought to be teachers. Is he saying that they should be developed further than they are, but they're not? Isn't that what he's saying? 
He's saying, by, you know, for the length of time that you've been in the kingdom, you ought to be here. But you're here. Isn't that what he's saying? You ought to have been developed to the point where you could teach others. But you're not. You're still babies. And you need to be given milk. So do you just develop and mature automatically by the reason of passage of time? No, you don't. No, you don't. You can be 40 years old in the Lord and be a baby. Baby. Now, this is a source of some confusion and problem. Because sometimes people think just because they've been, you know, what they call saved a long time, that they're really, you know, ahead of everybody else. But it's not always so. If they had been growing and developing ever since they were born again, absolutely. But a lot of times people have been saved 20 years before they ever start growing. Is that right? And I'll never forget, I'd been in the church, going to church, and we learned a few things. I'm not knocking the churches that I went to. They told me what they knew. They just didn't know much. You understand? And I didn't know any better. We were all in the same boat. But I'll never forget, I got a hold of some good teaching tapes. Along in my, well actually just right about 20 years of age. A little, you know, maybe 19, long long in there. And uh, man, I'll never forget some of the first ones of those I listened to. And what I had not been hearing, the distinction, the difference fed my spirit, nourished me. When I got through listening to it, I didn't really understand all that they had said with my head, but something had ministered to my heart. I had been nourished up. Why? Because these were words of faith. Words of faith. There was a spirit of faith in what they were saying. And all we had heard in the church I came out of was condemnation. And you go into hell if you wear your hair and your clothes a certain way and this and that, you know, and oh God, you sorry rascal, you better come up here and pray through before you go home. And you understand what I'm saying? Not knocking, but that's just all we knew. But that's not the words of faith. Now they could hang you right over the hell fires, man. I mean, and tell you you needed to get saved. But what about the words of grace and the words of faith? That's what it's going to take to nourish your spirit. And so it is possible to hear Bible teaching and preaching. Now I use that term loosely. <laughs> People that are using Bible passages and teaching preaching. It's possible to hear that for years and not grow. And not, or not grow much. Unless the words are the words of faith. The words of faith. I don't care if you're teaching on water baptism, if you're teaching on the name of Jesus, if you're teaching on healing, if you're teaching on giving, I don't care what you're teaching on. It should be done in faith and from faith and of faith and to faith in order to be done by the Spirit of grace. And if it comes like that, then it's going to minister to the spirits of human beings and it's going to nourish them up. It's going to nourish them up. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. John 6, Jesus 
taught and preached one of his most unpopular messages. <laughs> I mean, this one went over like the proverbial lead balloon. It did. He preached to them in John 6. They had seen the miracle of the loaves and fishes multiplied. That really excited everybody and inspired everybody. And the next day when they couldn't find him, they all took passage and got boats and went over to where he was at. (laughs) They're ready for another miracle. And uh, they, they begin to talk to him about manna. And because, you know, they, they ate bread the day before. They got food on their mind. And Jesus told them, he said, I am the bread of life. And he said, I, you know, in other words, he, he's describing to them the manna that fell in the wilderness. That was a type of what's happening now. And I'm the true bread that came down from heaven, Jesus is saying to them. They didn't understand that. Verse 48 John 6, 48. He said, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which came, cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus made it worse. He said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh... Now this word eateth means eat and keep on eating. Not just eat one time and that's it. Amen. Eateth and drinketh. Eat, drink, keep on eating and drinking. Eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat or food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, Does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words, the words, the words, the words that I speak unto you, they, the words, are life, and they, the words, are their spirit, rather, and they, the words, are life. After all, what was his flesh? The Word which had become flesh. Right? Amen. You know, they thought he's talking about cannibalism. They thought, this is a weird doctrine. I mean, how are we going to eat his flesh and drink his blood? They wouldn't hang around to get the revelation of it. 
He lost most of his crowd that day. They left him. So many people left him until he looked at the twelve and he says, are you going too? <laughs> Peter said, uh, where would we go? You got the words of life. They didn't understand it either. They were scratching their head too, but they thought they didn't know any better place to go than where they were at. And so they hung around and got light. And this still is a much misunderstood doctrine today. People do not understand that it's much more to live in the Christian life than just coming down to the altar, giving your heart to the Lord. That's not the end. That's the beginning. And if you are going to have any strength, and if you are going to live victoriously, and if you're going to do the will of God for your life, you have to daily partake of Him. You have to daily eat of His flesh and drink of His blood. Why? Because the life that comes to the branch comes from the vine. And you have to feed upon Him daily. I said daily. Daily. Don't you have to eat physically on a regular basis? Or else you get weak and eventually die? Well, spiritually speaking, you don't die, but you just get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker when you don't eat. Most Christians, I think most Christians, I think most Christians have not gotten the revelation that I've got to feed on Jesus every day. They haven't gotten that revelation. They know they've got to feed their flesh, and most people do a more than adequate job of that. <laughs> but they do not feed their spirits. I mean, if you were going to neglect one a little bit, which one should it be? The body. If you're going to miss a meal, miss a natural meal, not a spiritual meal. If you only got just a few minutes and you have a choice, either eat a little food or eat some spiritual food, which is more important? Get the spiritual food in. Get the spiritual food. Yet that's not real to people. That's not real to people. Oh, but it can be. I said, oh, but it can be. And God's Word will nourish you and feed you and cause your spirit to be nourished and built up so that you become strong out of weakness. Like I said, I, I finally realized that I'm not just weak physically. Depleted inside. And I've learned what to do about it. I said, I've learned what to do about it. I feel weak. I don't just minister to my flesh. I can go in and sit down and get quiet. Get quiet. Get out my Bible. Eat Matthew. And in Philippians for dessert. If you read it right, you can sense strength coming into you. Why are you doing it? Just get quiet and wait on the Lord and get quiet. Minister to Him. The Bible says, They that wait on the Lord, they shall Amen. renew their strength. Let God minister to me. Amen. And we're going to talk in some detail about these things. About exactly how to do them. Amen. But how many realize that just like you eat naturally, you've got to eat spiritually. Let me encourage you strongly. That every night or every day, somehow throughout the day or night, you feed your spirit on some Word of God. I'm talking about Bible. I'm not just talking about you listening to a teaching tape. Uh -huh. Now that is a form of supplemental feeding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But it is not the major feeding. The major thing is you and your Bible. And I would advise you and encourage you each day to read a minimum of ten chapters. And I say, well, that, that takes a little while. Well, are you serious about being healed or not? Are you with me? If you're not very familiar with the Word of God and you don't know what to do, I'd encourage you, start in the New Testament somewhere, reading the Gospels, tons of healing in the Gospel accounts, you know. Uh, you can read Mark. Mark's only 16 chapters. Wouldn't take you long to read Mark. Any Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. All healings all through there. The epistles are going to feed you. Any of those. But feed yourself. Spiritual nourishment. Hallelujah. I get excited just saying that phrase. Why? Well, can, can you get stirred up about physical nourishment? Huh? <laughs> sure you can. Especially if you hadn't eaten. If you hadn't eaten, maybe missed a meal or something or two, and, and somebody starts talking about certain food items. I mean, you get stirred up. Is that why you get interested? You think, huh? Yeah, yeah, nourishment. Food. Food. And spiritually speaking, just like physically you have an appetite, spiritually you have an appetite. If you're doing good spiritually, you have a good appetite. Just like a good appetite physically is a sign of good health. When you don't have an appetite, that's not a good sign. And people that are not hungry for the real Word of God, they're not doing good spiritually. But man, when you start doing better, you, your hunger gets stirred up. And you, you get hungry, you see, and you want to eat. One great thing about this is, man, you can just pig out on the Word. I mean, you can, just, you can just be a glutton on the Word of God, and there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be. You can't overdose on the Word of God. It's not going to hurt you. Praise God. Just feed and feed and eat 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 the Word. The Word. Food. God's Word is food to my spirit. Your spirit can be hungry. Just like your body can be hungry. Your spirit can get weak when you don't eat. Just like your body can get weak when you don't eat. And a lot of folk are terribly weak spiritually because they are anemic. And they are deficient in nourishment. They haven't been eaten properly. And as we said, it's not just hearing the Bible taught and preached. But like we've already been saying, it's how the Word is presented. He said, nourished up in the words of faith. Now, that doesn't mean that only sermons on faith are going to nourish your spirit. Not just sermons on the subject of faith. And yet, every subject and every word that is presented should come from faith. And be of faith. And be presented in faith. We read from Acts, you know, where he said, I commend you to God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. The word of His grace and the words of faith. 
You know, as I've said sometimes humorously before, I think it'd be a good idea. I don't know who would do it, but it'd be a good idea maybe if sermon tapes and books had to have spiritual nutrition labels on them. Like I said, I don't know who'd be the one to put the labels on there and analyze it. But you know, as you look at the label on a particular message, it might be broken down different ways. It might say, you know, 50% unbelief. 20% filler. Just filler. Artificial additives and preservatives. That's right. 10% hype. Just hype. 5% politics. You understand what I'm saying? 5% faith or whatever, you know. A lot of people say, oh, oh now my preaching would be 100% faith, 100% word. Yeah, you wish. You wish. Somebody said, well, what would you say about yours, Brother Keith? Well, I would like for it to be, but I wouldn't be so presumptuous as to say that everything that came out of my mouth was 100% word and faith. Did you hear me? Why? Because it's so easy to mix some of your own thinking in things. You understand? And that's why God gave you a Bible. And the Holy Ghost. <laughs> You're not just supposed to swallow everything you hear. Hook, line, sinker, pole, fisherman, boat, motor. <laughs> You're supposed to check it out. Now go back to Hebrews 5 and notice some things here. Relative to eating spiritually. There needs to be good instruction. On how to eat spiritually. And on spiritual diet. Hebrews chapter 5. He said. Verse 11. He said we have many things to say. Hard to be uttered. Seeing you're dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are, are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and and evil. He's talking about discernment in connection with eating. Or we could say it like this taste, the ability to discern and distinguish and taste the difference in what you eat. Now, there's a lot of scriptures we, we could look at and talk about. Along this line, there, there are many of them, many of them. Job 34.3, you don't have to turn there, but Job 34.3 says, For the ear tries words as the mouth tastes 
food. The ear tries, or you could say taste or distinguishes words as the mouth tastes food. You know, when people are babies, they're not very discerning in their taste. My mom tells me that when I was a real small fellow, I'd sit out and eat dirt sometimes. <laughs> Put me out in the yard to play and come back. I'd have a spoon with dirt in my mouth, on my face, actually chew it up and swallow. Now, what are y'all looking so sanctified for? Y'all never ate anything. Huh? I guarantee you that as a baby and as a child, a toddler, you stuck stuff in your mouth that you wouldn't even want to think about now. Why? No discernment. I said no discernment. Babies will eat anything. And they have this compulsion. That everything they come across to stick it in their mouth. Don't they? I know. We were keeping some little ones for some friends of ours. This little little girl, she's just beginning to learn how to walk. And I had on a pair of boots. And she was over there holding on to my leg. And she kept looking at these boots. Kept looking at them, looking at them. And eventually, she just grabbed the toe of it and you stuck it in her mouth. <laughs> and started chewing on it. <laughs> I mean, they'll put anything in their mouth. I mean, you know, they'll a spider, a grasshopper, you name it. I mean, anything. They'll just pick it up. Oh, right in the mouth it goes. Do you know that spiritual children are the same way? They will eat anything. Won't they? They will. It's a sad thing. <laughs> it's a sad thing. I'm telling you, as you grow, you'll see more and more. But as a minister, of course, I'm more aware of this because I look at these things and think about them. But I mean, there are... There are folk that can get up and preach anything and get crowds and people to listen and follow it. It's sad. Because so many Christians are babies. And they just swallow it. You just tell them and they just swallow it. Don't know the Word. Don't know the Spirit. But you know that one very terrible, tragic fact is a lot of children and babies die. From being poisoned. Get a hold of things that kill them. Do you know the same thing is true spiritually? That there are, th there are things that can poison you. Spiritually. Where your diet is concerned. I want you to understand. That you have an enemy. The devil. Did you know that? And he is committed. Where your diet is concerned. To either starve you. Or poison you. He's committed to that. And he's always trying to accomplish one of those. To starve you or to poison you. If he can just starve you and you won't eat, well, you're just going to get so weak until you have no faith, have no ability. But if you are going to eat, then what does he go to? Then he tries to slip some poison in on you. Poison. 
And as you develop, you, your senses are developed and your tastes are developed to discern between good and evil. I mean, uh, babies will eat bad food, won't they? They'll drink spoiled milk, eat spoiled food. They will. They'll do it. They just put it in their mouth and just chew it up and swallow it. But you know, as you develop and learn some things, you can just smell of something and think, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, that's bad. That's bad. You can pour some milk in a glass, pick it up to your mouth and smell everything. Oh, no, no, this is bad. Well, why doesn't the baby know that? They haven't developed. Is that right? And even if they did smell something, they don't know what it is. And they don't identify it. Don't discern and distinguish. That's why babies need parents. To distinguish for them. And to help them. And that's why baby Christians need pastors and leaders to help them too. Right? And you know, a lot of times, your spiritual elders and leaders, if they warn you about this or that, you need to take heed. You get all excited about this doctrine or that doctrine, and they say, oh, no, I don't know. You better watch that. I'm talking about good leaders now. Uh, they, may, they may smell some rottenness you don't smell. They may taste some things you don't taste, because they've been tasting longer than you have. I mean, there are cooks that are just amazing. They've developed their sense of taste to such a degree. I mean, they can take a, you know, a stew or a, a soup or something and taste of it and tell you everything that's in it. I taste it and I go, hmm, it's good, you know. What's in it? I don't know. I mean, there's a carrot. There's a, I think there's probably some salt in there. <laughs> right? But I mean, they can t- I've even seen people. It's incredible. They tell you the different spices that's in there and about how much and the brand. Well, this is, this is a certain kind of spice. Why? Because it tastes a little bit different than the other kind. I mean, just sharp. Well, you can develop that way spiritually. So that when you hear things, teaching and preaching, doctrine and the word, you read something in a book, you hear something on the tape, you taste things that other people might not taste. You can see things other people might not see. And like Brother Hagin says, you learn how to eat the hay and spit out the sticks. <laughs> Got to learn to distinguish. Some things, it just all sticks. And uh, some things there's a little bit of good, but there's so much bad around it, it's just not worth fooling with. Some things are kind of like cotton candy. Great big old multicolored fluff of stuff. <laughs> but time you eat it all, you don't have anything. Blood sugar levels might go up for a few minutes, but then that's it, I mean. Now there's more than you might think. I mean, there's teaching and preaching. It's a big old multicolored fluff of stuff. Everybody get hyped up, but you know when the service is over. You don't have anything to live on. Spiritually, there's difference in food just like there is naturally. 
And words are what we feed on spiritually. And of course, there are no better words than God's words to feed on. Now, when you're talking about words, you need to understand that words in and of themselves are nothing but letters grouped together, which represent thoughts. And so you could say that we feed on thoughts, because words are containers of thoughts. See, the word D-O-G, dog, means nothing unless you think of a dog when I say it. Think of a four-legged canine. Right? I mean, it would mean absolutely nothing to you unless you got a thought when I said the word. And uh, the word life, the word God, the word free, any of these words are just containers for thoughts. And you spiritually, you feed on thoughts. And God's words contain God's thoughts. And His thoughts are spiritual food. Feed on. And if you feed on his thoughts and think his thoughts and meditate upon his thoughts, then you'll swallow them and they'll get into your spirit. And they get into your spirit, they'll nourish you. When you eat physically, you take food from out here, you put it in your mouth, you taste it. You can tell whether it's good or bad. And as you chew it up, You savor the taste of it. And you break it down into its parts. But then you swallow it. And it gets into your stomach. And your digestive system. And that's where that the nutrition of it is extracted. And it gets into your blood and nourishes your body. If you just chew it and spit it out, then it's not going to do you much good. Got to swallow it. If you were to eat, get something bad in your mouth, you could still spit it out and save yourself from some problems. Right? And the same thing is true spiritually. I mean, if you, you know, if you poured a big glass of milk, you're in a big hurry, and you come in and you pick it up to your, uh, your, your mouth, and you smell and you go, oh, this stuff is bad. This stuff is rank. It's rotten, man. Would you think, well, since I got it up here, Just drink it all down. Or even if you, you know, without thinking, you just took a big mouthful of it and you got it in your mouth. And you're thinking, this is bad. Do you have any options at this point other than swallowing? Hmm? Do you have any options? What can you do? Run to the sink. Is that right? And, And eject it. Spit it out. Get it out of your mouth and it won't get in your stomach and cause you problems. Well, spiritual food comes to you. It can come to you through your eyes. It can come to you through your ears. And you, you, it gets in your mind. 
Well, in your mind, you think these thoughts, you can chew them up. That's meditation. Pondering it, thinking about it. And if you'll chew on it long enough, you swallow it. And it gets down into your spirit. And that's when it affects you and nourishes you spiritually. If you hear something bad and you think about it and it's bad, well, you don't have to swallow that. You can spit it out. Cast it down, the Bible said. But it's a fact, as they say sometimes naturally, spiritually it's a fact, that you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Whatever you let yourself think on and ponder and listen to and watch and talk, that's what you're feeding on spiritually. And that's what you will become and, and be transformed into. It's so important what you let yourself watch, listen to, think, talk. So important. It is so important. It is so important. The enemy is so subtle in these areas. A lot of times things that people are listening to and watching and thinking about, they don't think it's that much harm. Well, they know it's not spiritual. They know it's not God's word. But they think, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But it's laced with stuff that they can't even taste. And it affects them and poisons them on a subconscious level. Did you hear me? And it's affecting them a lot more than they even realize. And sometimes people's diet is so disproportional... Until it's no wonder they're not making any progress. How many understand that it do you little good to eat a good serving of steamed vegetables and then turn around and eat five bags of potato chips and half gallon of ice cream and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm eating healthy. <laughs> By the same token, people will eat a few minutes of Scripture and then listen to and watch hours of junk. You understand? And not realize why I'm not, you know, be confused. They think about why I'm not growing and developing, getting any stronger. Because their diet is out of proportion. Now, I'm not saying that you could never listen to or watch or read anything except the Bible. Or a Bible-based book or tape or whatever. I'm not saying that. But you better not try to live off other stuff. It's kind of like this. I mean, you, some people get extreme about physical diet and say, well, you should never eat a piece of pie or cake. You should never eat a candy bar. Never this or that. Well, I don't say that. And uh, if I want to eat a piece of pie, I will. If I want to eat a piece of candy, I will. But I don't live off of that. I don't live. That's not where I get my nourishment from. I don't live off of that. I eat, you know, baked potato. No butter. You know, someone said, well, I don't like it that way. Well, I do. I like it that way. Let me, let me tell you a secret. I've said this for years, and it's helped me tremendously. I say it out loud. It's not based on my feelings or my natural preferences. I say it by faith. 
If it's good for me, I like it. If it's bad for me, I don't like it. You say that for a while and your taste will start changing. Now there are some people who don't even believe that. They just kind of think, well, that's all right for you, brother. You should. I'm telling you, you could help yourself out. There are certain things, man, I used to wouldn't touch. And now I like them. Why? Because I believe, well, they're good for me. I ought to take it. I ought to enjoy it. And so, you know, certain things that's good for you, start confessing that over yourself. Well, concerning spiritual food, there are some things that's bad for you. There are some things that's even poisonous. There are certain books and tapes sometimes that you see people with, you almost want to run and grab them out of their hands. Because you're thinking, you don't need to be reading that. You don't need to be listening to that. But people are adults and it's a free country. You know, I mean, you read what you want to. But sometimes people don't realize some of the content there. It's so subtle. I said it's so subtle. And some of these things will affect you. I use the word uh, subconscious, or I shouldn't say sub. Maybe just say um, not at a conscious level. Because it's on a spiritual level. The reason I say that is because people talk about the subconscious mind. I wouldn't even acknowledge that there is such a thing. I said, what do you mean? That's in psychology books. Well, psychology books are not the Bible. People do not acknowledge the spirit of a being. You got a spirit and you got a mind. And there are things that will affect you spiritually that don't fully register on your mind. You can read the Word of God and not really understand all about it, and yet it can be feeding your spirit. And there are some bad things, too, spiritually, that you may not see all the bad of it, but it's affecting you. You need to be particular, picky about what you eat spiritually. How many know what I mean by that? Some people are real particular about what they eat naturally, but they just swallow anything spiritually. You ought to be more particular about what you eat spiritually than what you eat physically. There's a lot of things. I might read just a few pages of it, and then I just put it down. Don't like the way it tastes. Listen to it. Watch this little bit of it. You know, maybe teaching and preaching on TV or something or on a tape. Listen to a little bit of it, you know, kind of taste of it. And if it's good, I'll eat some more of it. But if it's bad, you know, no need. And I tell you, you know, I, I, there's nothing better than just the Word of God. The book. Because anything else that you get a hold of, even if it's books and tapes, it may have some human thinking and tradition and even doubt and whatever mixed in with it. But this is pure, 100% Word of God. No artificial additives or preservatives. Nothing except the real, genuine article. And nothing is going to feed your spirit like this. Nothing. How many know you're not supposed to live off of vitamin supplements? What does supplement mean? In addition to, it's supplementing something else. Supplementing the main thing. I consider preaching tapes and books and what have you to be supplements. But this is the main thing. This is your diet right here. Should be. How much have you eaten recently? 
To my, you know, you, just you sitting down with your own spiritual napkin and spiritual knife and fork and open up the Bible and eating. You know, when's the last time you ate Matthew? When's the last time you ate Exodus? Somebody said, that's Old Testament. Yeah, I know. And there's certain nutrients that you're not going to get unless you eat the Old Testament. Don't neglect your Old Testament. It's the Word of God too. When's the last time you ate Leviticus? Well, some of you, that's too long. <laughs> if we took a spiritual blood test, you'd be anemic in some areas. Deficient. Because you've been starving. You know, you know, naturally, babies, if you just let them eat what they want to eat, their diet would be terrible. Is that right? Because, I mean, if you just let them eat what they want to eat, they'd just eat ice cream and Snickers bars and tater chips and pizza. they never volunteer to eat their cauliflower or asparagus or, you know, or spinach. Or. Somebody said, well, I don't, I'm not going to eat that stuff. Well, some things are good for you. And some things that you think you don't like, if it's prepared a different way, you'd like it. This, you know, I, I say sometimes about some of my favorite foods are uh, lima beans. Now, see, you say that, and a lot of people think, "My Lord, I, I cannot see that." But then you see what they call lima beans, and you wouldn't eat that either. <laughs> So we grew up on a farm down in the south. We grew our own. And you pick them when they're young and about half mature. And you cook them a certain way. And you take you some, uh, you know, some homemade uh, salsa and some fresh cornbread. Fresh iced tea with some fresh tomatoes. <laughs> and I mean, that doesn't make you right back home. But some of this stuff, you know, some, some folk up north, they, when they think of lima beans, they think about some big old dry something out of a can. <laughs> and I don't blame them for not eating that. I mean, I wouldn't want that either. You think about steamed vegetables. A lot of folk think, oh, brother, you know. But you just look at what some folk do to vegetables. And after it comes out, it's just, you know... <laughs> I wouldn't want to eat that either, the way they fix it. Now listen, spiritually speaking, the way some folk present certain truths, people don't want it. When really, that truth is a great truth, and it's a wonderful thing to eat, but it's the way it was cooked. And it's the way it was presented. I mean, a lot of times, just the way something's served to you makes you not want to eat it. You know? Somebody takes a big pot of grits and takes a big spoon and slaps it up against your face. <laughs> you could just, you know, not want any more. Right? <laughs> and uh, the way some things are served up makes them unattractive and unsavory. And some folk just don't know how to cook. 
It's just a fact. <laughs> they, they can, you know, take an egg. And time they get through with it, just you wouldn't want it. <laughs> but there's other folk, boy. They can take things that you thought you couldn't stand. And the way they fix it. You eat it, and, and, and a lot of times you're half through before they tell you what it is, and, they, and you think, no, no, this is cauliflower? No, this is wonderful. It's how it's prepared. I said, it's how it's prepared. How it's prepared. And that's the way every subject in the Word of God is, and every part of the Word of God. Now, real quickly, I don't want to keep you a lot longer, but I want, to, I want you to think about the effect of thoughts on the human body. And you can begin to see the effect of the Word of God on the human body. Did you know I, I could stand here right now and just start describing to you certain things that might make some of you nauseous. Is that right? You know. Just begin, you know, say, well, I was coming in today and I saw a dead dog by the side of the road. And I, I think he had been there for maybe a week and a half. <laughs> and, uh, Man, the stench was horrible. I had my windows rolled up. Had to cut my air conditioner off. <laughs> now, I'm not going to go on, but do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I could go into a lot of particulars. And I mean, it's possible that a person could get so sick, have to get up and leave the room. And go back there to the restroom. Is that right? And throw up. Why? A few minutes before, they weren't nauseous. Why are they nauseous now? Because of what they're thinking about. Why are they thinking about it? Because I brought the thoughts to you in the words. Did the thought have a tangible, physical reaction in the body? Yes. Well, wonder if thinking wrong thoughts could make you nauseous. Wonder if thinking right thoughts could help you overcome nausea. Man, here's great truth. Let's take the other side of this. I mean, all the way from nausea to appetite. I could describe to you food items. Prepared. Fresh, luscious strawberries with whipped cream on top. <laughs> yeah, some sugar if you want. Maybe a little cream. I mean hot bread out of the oven. You can smell it when you got out of your car in the driveway. I mean, you start describing certain things, and I mean, far from nausea. There's appetite. I mean, you actually can start salivating. Is that right? You, you start, to, I mean, and you don't smell any bread in here. I mean, just the thoughts. The thought. 
thoughts. Can a thought affect you physiologically? I mean tangibly cause effects in your human body. Just what you think of. Just what you think of. Somebody say, well, that's the power of the mind over the body. No, 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 no. See, there's spiritual forces involved. Not just mental forces. But the mind is the doorway to the spirit. That's how things get in your spirit. It's through the doorway of your mind. Or, you know, if you've never done this, you may not know much about it. I've seen people that had never taught and preached much just find out that they're going to have to. <laughs> and they were happy, <laughs> relaxed, and then you told them, you got to preach tomorrow. <laughs> and I mean, they lost their smile. <laughs> Perspiration beads come out. I've seen people get physically sick. <laughs> I've seen people about to get married. Get so nervous. Why? What's making a, I have to go to the bathroom? What's, what's causing these physical effects? What they're thinking on. Just what they're thinking on. I'll never forget. It just stood out to me. I was in Jackson, Mississippi, in Emma French Elementary School. What was I in the uh, fifth grade? And we had a teacher, a literature English teacher, that was a good reader. You know, some people can read better than others. I mean, she could just take a book and just read it and make it come alive to you. And I'll never forget, we were there. And it was hot. I forget, you know, it gets hot in Mississippi. Not just hot, but humid. I mean, you just, you just, you know, walk outside and just think you're melting. You just sweat profusely. We didn't have air conditioning in the school at that time. And we're all sitting in there, man, it's hot. Sweat just dripping off of you onto the desktop. That's how hot it is. And she pulled out a book and read a story about a man's adventures in northern Alaska. (laughs) And, she I mean, she read for minutes, minutes and minutes, and as she read, the story progressed about how he got lost and froze to death. (laughs) And I, I remember at the time, I'm sitting there sweating in the... You know, Mississippi heat and humidity and almost shivering thinking about how cold this guy got. Because <laughs> the man froze to death. How he got colder and colder and finally went numb and went to sleep, you know. Talked about before that, you know, that uh, the pain that was in his fingertips and toes. I mean, you're sitting there sweat dripping off of you thinking, ooh. (laughs) And it just, it, it dawned on me just there in the fifth grade, the power of thoughts. How thinking on something affects you. You know, when you're uncomfortable, focusing on the discomfort makes it worse. If you're hot, 
thinking about how hot I am. Man, it's hot. Oh, man, it's hot. I'm burning up. Oh, man, it's hot in here. See, it intensifies. If you push it off your mind and think, well, you know, it won't be long we'll be able to do this, do the other. Just try to push it off your mind. Think on something else. You can handle it a lot better. Pain is that way. Physical problems are that way. If you focus on them, think on them, meditate on them, it intensifies them. If you can get your mind off of it, it helps greatly. I said it helps greatly. Greatly, greatly, greatly. Thoughts. I like the old song. It sings, Hallelujah, what a thought. Jesus, my salvation bought. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah, what a thought. Man, you get, have you ever got happy before? Have you ever shouted? How come? Thought. A thought was revealed to you. A thought. And that thought, your spirit tasted of, and it excited you. And the Bible said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And God's words contain God's thoughts. And he said, my words are spirit and my words are life. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is death. Whatever you let yourself think on, you're tasting of and you're tasting and feeding on death or life depending on what you're thinking about. I know it may sound, you know, too amazing to be true. But the Lord said emphatically, if you keep your mind stayed on me, I will keep you tasting perfect peace, you could say. You'll keep tasting life all the time. You'll just all the time you'll just keep going, mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. The people that are sour faced, pucker lipped. What what have they been eating on? What have they been thinking on? What have they been thinking on? Can you see the significance of what you think on and what you listen to, what you look, what you feed on spiritually? Words are containers of thoughts. And when people are feeding you words, they're feeding you thoughts. When you're taking them and thinking on them, you're eating that spiritually. Watch that you don't eat the wrong thing. See that you nourish yourself up on the words of faith and think thoughts of life and thoughts of blessing and thoughts of health and thoughts of strength. Don't think about dying. Don't think about getting worse. Don't think about the the bad prognosis, the bad report. Don't think about the big need. Don't let yourself think about it. Don't say, I can't help it. You can. It's your mind. Don't let yourself think on these things. It ministers death to you. Keep your mind stayed on Him. And He'll keep you tasting His goodness. He'll keep you in perfect peace. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.